Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the bestseller, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, A Holistic Approach. And if you are not on my tribe list yet, please, please, please take advantage of the Light Warrior Empowerment Kit. It actually is a really cool kit with my very famous uh, clearing and protection spray formula that you can make up um, you know, right at home so you can clear yourself of negative energies. Just go to lightwarriorsupport.com for those free gifts. Now, today I have a friend of mine that I'm super excited to interview. Why? Well, you know, when I was in medical school and I was delivering babies, it would really, um, let's just say, affect me when my mom, I call them my mom, so when my moms and dads were having challenges with birthing. Now, of course, I was one of those folks that was like there all the time and you know counseling and coaching and and it was awesome and I had really great experiences but there were a couple of times where I wasn't there I wasn't called in on time and things like that and it really bothered me that they couldn't have the birth that they wanted that they desired and in one case my preceptor I don't know what he was thinking he didn't call me in at all and I found out after the fact this woman had like a C-section and, you know, bled out and had to go back in surgery. And it was just awful. And I found out after the fact I couldn't even be there to be at her side to support her. And uh, so those things really affected me. Um, and, and um, you know, I chose later on, you know, where I lived did not support family doctors uh, doing births, but I'd you know done at least eighty births and and you know just absolutely loved it. And so when I met our uh, guest that we're going to have today, Dr. Alyssa Shepard, and I heard her speak about birthing bliss, about this possibility that women and you know the whole family can create and transform their birthing experience through energetics, through, you know, all these different things, mindset, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, I wish that my moms would have had a resource like this. But so I'm super excited to have Dr. Alyssa Shepard on the show today to talk to us about, like, what's going on in our world today, like how people are birthing and what are, you know, some of the positive alternatives to some of the things that my some of my patients had to experience, unfortunately, negative things they had to experience in the past. So as a transformational birth expert, she guides women who feel anxious, afraid, maybe uh, apprehensive about their childbirth to a place of calm, clarity, and confidence, helping mom and baby reclaim that transformational power of what she calls birth bliss. What she's truly passionate about is helping women reconnect with their inner power and fierce grace while healing the energetic birth print, and we're going to talk about what that is, of both moms and babies. So uh, her focus is on the impact of pre- and peri- and postnatal experiences, Um, and uh, she's investigated this through her master's thesis, you know, how maternal diets and pregnancy can affect metabolism, the programming of long-term disease and offspring, really, really cool stuff. So Dr. Alyssa has studied many many healing modalities, including both traditional and non-traditional, including chiropractic techniques, acupuncture, Reiki, mind-body medicine, um, and she's really, you know, carried this knowledge forward uh, in both her clinical chiropractic practice as well as her birth bliss coaching program, and then we'll find more about this. And in fact, you know, one of my, um, I call them my kids, I don't know, biological kids, but um you know, one of the, the, the young people that I mentored recently, um, you know, gave gave birth. And, you know, once I met Dr. Alyssa, I was like, that's the first person I thought of, you you know, like you got to you got to connect with her, her tribe, uh, because I think it's so important, especially for 
like the young, you know, the millennials and things like, you know, people that maybe have not had the knowledge or the adult um, training or information about how to do birthing differently. And especially if you're a young couple, there's not a lot of money, you don't have a lot of support. Um, like, where do you go for information? And Dr. Lissa has a group on Facebook um, that supports people, even if you're not in her, you know, program per se. It's really awesome. So without further ado, I uh, welcome Dr. Alyssa. Hello, Dr. Shepard. Hi, Dr. Karen. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so pleased to have you on the show. And I did want to let people know if you're listening in, if you, I, I mean, I'm going to open the chat in a few minutes while we chat, uh, you know, between the two of us. And then if you have a question that um, – I'm going to ask a bunch of questions, of course, but if you have a question – uh, for yourself, for your daughter, for, you know, loved one, you know, please write that in the chat and uh, so we can share that with Dr. Alyssa. So I would love to know, Dr. Alyssa, what, what is your story? Like, how did you become like a birth bliss expert? Awesome. Thank you. Um, so my story, similar to many people who work in the arena of birth, dates back to my first pregnancy. So that was five years ago with my son. His name's Quentin. And mm. um, at the time, I was in my third year of chiropractic college. And I knew some things, the things that I knew about birth, I knew really, really, really well. I understood the physical body very well. I understood the mechanics of how to optimize a pregnancy, be more comfortable in pregnancy, be a better baby incubator, essentially, because you are baby's home, right? So you want to make sure that mm -hmm. everything is optimized physically, um, as well as optimizing the mechanics leading into labor and delivery based on what needed to happen in the pelvis for baby to pass through, I'm going to say, easily, as easily as possible when birth, you know, we apply the word easy to it. So I spent a lot of time, I invested a lot of time in, like, physical body preparation. I prepared myself nutritionally based on what I knew from, from my master's thesis work about what goes into building long-term health in terms of nutrition and how this can impact the expression of either health or disease later on in life, like decades later on in life. And I, wow. was, also <laughs> I was also really extremely clear about what I wanted out of a birth. Um, there was no doubt in my mind that I wanted a home birth and I wanted to birth in water. Um, I didn't want any medications. I didn't want any interventions. I just wanted home water birth that felt to me like the best, most awesome option. And I thought like being in chiropractic college with, with individuals who ascribe to a holistic drug-free mindset that I would meet with a lot of support if I shared this, you know, goal. And I was really surprised. I learned very, very, very quickly not to say anything to anyone about how I intended to birth because I was met with a lot of doubt oh, and a lot of derision. And yeah, it was really surprising. Like I got a lot of like, well, oh my God, Alyssa, like, don't you know childbirth hurts? What are you going to do for pain management? And like, what are, you can't have an epidural at home. Like, what are you thinking? Is what if your baby oh, dies? Wow. Where are the doctors? Gonna, it was, it was that That's like terrible. rampant. I know. And like, these are such common things that people say to like women who are pregnant, who are birthing, they get told the like mm. worst, most horrible things possible. 
And it just kind of deepens that like anxiety and fear and doubt and all the things that you don't need to be carrying. Exactly. And so I, I learned like, okay, we're not talking about this. I'm just going to prepare, get ready to have a baby. And I reverted back to a practice I used in my undergrad when I was, you know, nervous about exams or wanted to get a really good mark where I, before I fell asleep at night, I would use mantras, affirmations, visualization, and be like, I'm going to get 90% or higher on my biochemistry exam. I love that. Right. And it had worked so well for me that I was like, well, of course this is going to work for childbirth. If it works for exams, it works for childbirth. So <laughs> I, I incorporated that regularly every single night for months on end. Wow. Fast, <laughs> yeah. Fast forward to I'm in labor with Quentin during, it's my last round of exams in third year chiropractic college. Um, and Quentin's decided he's coming in his own perfect timing. And I, I birthed him at home. I birthed him in water. There was no medication. There was no intervention. It was utterly incredible. I remember looking at him and just like feeling him and the bliss and the euphoria and the ecstasy and the wonder and like all of the swirling emotions that just, wow, like you've walked through childbirth and you've done it you've done this thing you set out to do that people told you you couldn't do it. It was, it was amazing. I will say it was difficult to get to that place. His, his labor involved an incredible amount, basically of relentless vomiting. Um, And there was a point within it where I was very dehydrated. The the entire labor was about 17 and a half hours long. Um, And his heart rate started to move into a distress pattern that made my midwife uncomfortable. And so she said, like, you know, either this calms down and you hold some fluid down and his heart rate returns to normal or else we do an emergency transfer to the hospital, which was essentially kind of my worst nightmare. And so she suggested I get in the water and, and see whether that wouldn't help calm things down. And me being a Pisces, like I love water. Water is safe. It feels like home. You kind of look like a mermaid. Calm. <laughs> I've never had anyone tell me that before. <laughs> I could totally see you as a mermaid. Awesome. 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna own that one. Thank you. <laughs> but I got in the water and labor stalled and I held down some liquid. I got a little bit of hydration in me. His heart rate came back into normal pattern. Hmm. And then I got back out and proceeded to labor and ended up with the, the blissful birth experience that I wanted. Hmm. So fast forward a year, I've graduated, I've gone out into clinical practice, I'm attracting a lot of pregnant women, I'm doing all the best things in terms of what the research says, in terms of what all my training says, in terms of what I know, preparing them very, very physically to have the best, most blissful birth experience possible. And there were women who, women who did succeed and did achieve this and get what they wanted, but there was a surprising number who fell short of the mark and were left disappointed and, and not feeling that blissful feeling. And I was just scratching my head because everything I knew at that point was like, well, there's something missing, but I don't know what it is. So that answer actually came to me when I was pregnant with my daughter, my second pregnancy, when I was revisiting this idea of this like prolific amount of vomiting, relentless vomiting I had done in my labor with Quentin and, you know, with my naturopath saying what homeopathy, what exists that I can take if this happens, like how can I mitigate this and prevent it? And it came to light that what that actually was is it was me somatizing 
the fears that I hadn't dealt with because I definitely did have fears about labor and about the reality of carrying out my last year of chiropractic college, my clinical intern year and writing board exams and doing all these things with an infant oh my gosh. that I, I know, right? Like it was, it was overwhelming yeah. to think about much less to do while you're still writing exams, studying in your third year. So I buried it and I took it and hid it in a dark corner and figured if I don't look at this and if I don't talk about it and no one knows about it, then it can just stay buried and I never have to look at it again. And that was so wrong. Like I carried that into his labor as my birthing baggage. And thankfully I had positive birthing baggage because I really did believe the body was capable and birth was natural and all these things that ended up saving right, so me. So it kind of overrode it, right? In a way. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, I mean, my body, and determination. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But to me, I saw my body as trying to physically eject that fear through vomiting. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was, very enlightening when I realized that and that led me to prepare my mind with Ivy so that her birth could be different and her birth was totally different where I didn't vomit and the pain was so much less it really really shocked me Um, and I learned after the fact that totally falls in line with the research that states of fear anxiety apprehension doubt all of these kind of feelings of this nature increase your perception of pain and decrease your resiliency to deal with and be with that pain. So Ivy was born at home without medications, without interventions on my bed. And what I had envisioned throughout the labor, the, the pregnancy with her was that I wanted to be the one to catch her. I wanted to be the very first hands that she felt when like coming onto this planet. I always wanted to do that. Oh I thought that would be like so ever. cool to do that. Oh it was gosh. incredible. I caught her, and oh it was just gosh. like... I want to cry. <laughs> I know. I can't even, like, words fail, and I just feel like you can, like, hear, like, the smile, I think, in my voice and from my heart, and just, like, it was just, like, the most magical moment ever. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. And so when I went back out into clinical practice... After my, my mini mat leave with Ivy, I started bringing this mind-body connection and started really seeing birth be transformed and seeing women achieve that birthless experience. But just, it's transformative. Like, so that's, that's kind of my backstory. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. I'm going to try to talk here. <laughs> I'm kind of <laughs> and choked up. Um, <laughs> well, you know, this is amazing because I know – you told me about the stats, about, you know, how, what percentage of women have what we call a medicalized childbirth versus natural childbirth, and that really shocked me. So maybe you can share, you know, what's really going on, um, you know, in the research, and then we can kind of go forward. Uh, you've already told us what's possible, so this is really great. But we want to know what's, what is the gap here between what is commonly done and what we want. Absolutely. So the stats, yeah, the stats are a little depressing. Um, the current birth stat, it's around between five to 25% of women achieve an unmedicated physiologic natural birth experience. Um, wow. What was that number? Way, like between five to 25%. And I'm going to explain oh that, that, why it's a range okay. and kind of the okay. problems that the fact that it's a range belies. Um, so right now, the 
in North America, one-third of women deliver surgically. One-third deliver by cesarean section. Um, and the World Health Organization recommends births be by C-section 10 to 15%. So like, and they recognize that beyond that 10% of cesarean birth rate, there is no benefit to maternal or infant mortality, which really begs the question of the remaining 23% beyond that 10%, why, what is the benefit to them birthing surgically? It's not improving outcomes. So what's a little more alarming in this is that the stats are regionally specific and they're institutionally specific and they're provider specific, where there are some of the southern states where the C-section birth rate gets upwards of 38%. Some of the northern states, it's down near 20%. If you look in Latin America, it's up in the mid-40s, like 44 45%, maybe even 46%. No way. That's I shocking. know, right? Yeah. And so it really speaks to the fact that it's not happening out of medical necessity. It's happening out of policy, out of procedure, out of how we view birth as being a crisis waiting to be averted, a liability issue, the, the beliefs and the biases yeah. that the institution and the providers bring. So oh that's, uh, that's, yeah, what birthing well, women Well, when think. I was in Los Angeles, you're, you're maybe going to chuckle a little bit about this, but so I'm in Los Angeles. I'm working for UCLA Family Medicine, and I'm, you know, a, a, a clinical professor there. And uh, a yeah. friend of ours, my, my husband at the time, was a scientist at the John Wayne Institute, uh, Cancer Institute, and one of his co- good colleagues, uh, his wife was pregnant. And um, okay. they were very nice people. Uh, but I was asking her about it innocently, about, you know, her birthing, what she plans to do, and because in our you know, in our training facility, every single resident, every single family medicine resident learned, you know, to, to, to actually, they learned not only to bur- do, you know, deliveries, they learned to do C-sections if necessary, that kind of stuff, stuff that I didn't learn to do in Canada. So they learned yeah. that stuff. And so I was just asking her, like her, about her provider. And she, she's like, well, <laughs> this sounds horrible, but she's like, well, you know, I have a specialist, like I have, a, you know, and I'm like, well, you're really healthy, right? And she's like, yeah. Yeah. And I said, okay, so just, you know, she says, well, I'm, I'm seeing an obstetrician gynecologist. I'm like, okay. Like, I just was so innocent. I didn't understand why she was seeing the specialist if she could be birthed by family medicine, right? And then, yeah. get this, she's like, oh, I haven't planned for such and such a date. I said, you have what planned? And she said, well, yeah. I have my C-section planned. And I was horrified. I tried not to look horrified. I was. Hor- I said, why are you getting a C-section? And she said, oh, the obstetrician felt that, you know, he wasn't dropping enough. And I'm looking at, you're only whatever, you know, gestational age she was. So she wasn't even at 30, I don't even think, right? Gestational age. Wow. And I was like, what? And she said, yeah, he, he thinks that he's not going to drop really well. And, you know, and uh, so we're just going to plan it for this day. And, and I'm thinking in my mind, that guy's got a golf date, you know, right. and does not yeah. want to. I was pissed. I didn't yeah. show up, but I was really upset that she was told this informa- misinformation that that was best for her and, of course, yeah. the uh, to have this planned birth where she wouldn't have to be in pain and she wouldn't have to, you know, like – be inconvenienced and, and this was an LA thing and it and it yeah. shocked me to the core. So what you're talking about is absolutely it is surprisingly like, common. 
oh, and depressing. My gosh. When, like, Very depressing. Women are but, being... they're, but they're, yeah, they're, they're being medicalized, and, and there are negative consequences, potentially, yep. from having that kind of birth, right? Mm-hmm, Absolutely. So in terms of in terms of the, meta, the negative consequences, if we look at and so I will say this is like a really new question that's starting to be asked in terms of like, are there repercussions for us meddling in birth and interfering in birth? Like, does this have any negative outcomes? We do know that as soon as you introduce one intervention, you increase the likelihood that you're going to need further interventions because birth. Birth has evolved over millennia in mammals to have the best outcome possible for species, not just surviving, but thriving. And what that means is not just our mom and baby alive at the end, but they're healthy, they're happy, breastfeeding, like feeding is going well, because formula is a very new thing when you think about the grand scheme of the time we've been here. You needed to be able right. to nurse your baby. So the hormonal orchestration of birth is exceedingly complex and interconnected. And we really don't even understand all of it. Like we don't actually know what starts birth. We know that mom and baby are communicating hormonally and all of these things, but we really like science and medicine doesn't know this. So when we start introducing epidurals and inductions and all of these things that we do, it, it starts to muck around with this thing we don't understand. And then we have these higher rates of, you know, within need more interventions. They need the induction. They need the Pitocin. They need the cesarean. They need the vacuum delivery because we've, we've messed it up essentially. So there's that. And there's also consequences for the baby, right? Like, as a chiropractor, I do work with infants, and, and I can say that, that babies, clinically from what I've seen, who are born from a more difficult birth, a birth that involves the, the contractions of artificial oxytocin, pitocin, syntocin, whatever brand name is used in the region, um, or a baby that's born surgically or with a vacuum or forceps, like they, they are a lot less comfortable. The colic is something that is not infrequent in them there's misalignment through their spine through their skull that are amenable to being fixed if the parents understand that that you can you can help normalize these stresses but not all parents understand that um and it with the new research asking more long-term questions about like what are the ramifications of what we're doing with birth and how we're playing around with it they've looked mostly at c-sections and have found that with babies born by cesarean section, there is an increased likelihood of being obese as a child as well as an adult. And there's a lot of immune system dysregulation where these babies have higher rates of allergies, of eczema, um, of infections, of autoimmune disorders, and even cancers, which when you think about it, like it wow. blew my mind. I know, right, that birth could have such an incredible impact on, like, long-term health. But when they're looking at it, the, the reasons they've come up with this is that the stresses of birth, there's an optimal level of stress in birth, and it affects the way that your genes are expressed. When you overstress mm. the baby through an overly stressful birth or you understress them because they don't get any of that normal contractions, they just are born by cesarean, you're altering the epigenetics of how the genes are expressed and where this relates to the immune system is it's going to have ramifications totally for how their immune system functions. 
The other theory that they've come up with to explain this, which makes a lot of sense in, corp in incorporating that obesity link, is the altered microbiome of babies born surgically. Where right. if you think about, you know, like natural vaginal birth, the baby passing through the birth canal and out mom's vagina is being seeded with whatever flora, presumably healthy, because most women birthing are, you know, fairly healthy, especially if they are having a natural delivery. Um, and this mm -hmm. is colonizing them. Whereas if you're born surgically, you're born in an operating room and hospitals are places of sickness and infection and, and they're just not healthy places. So right. the, the science has shown that babies born surgically are have completely different colonization in terms of the flora and their microbiome than their vaginally born counterparts. So yeah, there are definitely some mm. long-term, long-term ramifications for, for the baby that come out of this, this, what we're doing with birth. Well, and I'm, I'm thinking that mom too, like whether it be, I don't know if there's any data on that, but like, I'm just surmising about like you were talking about that whole uh, hormonal cascade that happens. Um, and, and I mean, not, not just physically. I mean, physically I'm thinking, you know, maybe there's issues with bonding and things like that. The hormones don't fire at the right times and, you know, like maybe breastfeeding's affected. But I'm also thinking uh, psychologically that, uh, like, to me it seems disempowering Absolutely. on some level for that woman, like, even if they're, even if they chose, like, I understand, you know, people have medical problems, whatever, I, I'm not judging yep. that. I'm just saying that, that they, on a subconscious level, don't feel like they're really women or something because they were not able to have a natural childbirth or they chose differently. So there's like a guilt complex, maybe. So they're disempowered. Mm -hmm. And that is so sad. Mm -hmm. So that, that, there's definitely a psychological component that, that gets left with mom where I have seen moms and babies who don't attach well because, because mom just, she, there was a cesarean and it's not necessarily what she wanted and breastfeeding didn't work, it failed. And then she's left feeling like a failure and I'm feeling my baby. Yeah. And there's a woman, a oh woman that I, I'm friends with and she has four kids and she had two beautiful births with her first two and then different providers for her third and fourth. And she can't even talk about those births. And they were, they were oh, like no. five and seven years ago. And, and it just, she, it makes her angry. She can't talk about them. It's such a lasting mark that was left on, left for with. So there's definitely, definitely a psychological piece about empowerment and about, yeah, about mm. feeling, feeling, feeling like a woman, an empowered woman with with choice, and and that you're you're capable, and and that everything works, like your body works the way that it's supposed to, and that you're a capable parent and mom, and all these things. But it's just so layered. So yeah, that yeah, trust absolutely. Trusting in our bodies is is so huge because that, like you said before, when you with your first pregnancy was wasn't really supported <laughs> by yeah. know, colleagues and friends and family. And this is what, you know, women have to deal with or, or, you know, families, you know, young families have to deal with is that they're not being supported. And that I can see from my own family practice that if I supported them, it made a huge difference, you know, being a healthcare provider and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I yeah. got to tell you my preceptor, because I was a student at the time, basically told me I was nuts because, of course, I didn't have, mm -hmm. like, I didn't have my MD yet, right? Like, I was still a student. 
Yep. And he, well, actually, did I? I can't remember on this case, but he said, he said, don't encourage her to have birth at home. And I'm like, well, why not? And he says, because you're going to be liable if something wrong yeah. happens. Yeah, like, that's a big piece of the puzzle, that. too. And he, said, and he said, don't show up. I said, what? Yeah. He says, I don't want, I, I know she's got a midwife, but I don't want you showing up because if you show up and something goes wrong, you're in trouble, you've lost your license. Love, and he he put the fear of God in me, right? <laughs> like, I was yep, so absolutely. Sad. Yeah, yeah. And it's 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 sad, but it's true. The liability piece is a really big one and a major part of how policy and procedure come to be, and why women are told you are not allowed to go past thirty nine yeah. weeks. We will not allow you to do this, like or whatever it is that that specific care provider or that specific institution communicates a lot of the time they're doing it out of liability to try and protect themselves and their own family. Exactly. And fear, fear, fear. We're going to do all these tasks every day, every other day. Yeah. You know, check how healthy your placenta is. And and it's like all this fear. I mean, not that they're trying to transfer fear onto the mom, but it, I mean, how could it not transfer? But that's totally what it does, right? Where it's like to, to birth, to, to, to have a natural childbirth, a physiologic childbirth, the woman ends up like going deep, deep within the, her brainwave yeah. pattern changes. It goes into a very meditative state. Like she, she basically goes away. I remember going away and not totally being conscious of what was happening around me and kind of moving in and out of it. And that's very typical of what is supposed to happen in birth. Mm-hmm. Um, you go to the, you know, your primal intuition, those, those knowings, and you do instinctively what you need to do. You move the way you need to move. If you need to eat or drink, you do it. Um, and and yes. if, if, if baby's communicating to you and telling you you're receptive, you're in that space, state and in that place, but you need to be able to take your focus and shift it inwards away from everything that's going on outside and around you and just focus on you and be with you and be with baby. And so all throughout pregnancy, what we're doing when we're saying like, have this ultrasound, have this test, go for this, like all of these things. Get this injection, get this flu shot. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they're very well intentioned. They're constantly telling mom, you're, you don't know how to build a baby. We need to check. Look at us. Look to us for the answers. Look to this intervention. Look to this test. Look to this medication. Look to all these things around you. And then we set birth up the exact same way because, like, so I'm going to speak about hospital birth because obviously home birth is a little different. But hospital birth, there's bright light. There's loud noises. There's a lot of commotion. There's people constantly taking measurements and asking you questions and checking on you and telling you whether you're, you know, far enough along or not. Like there's a giant ticking clock that you're aware of. You're constantly looking outside of yourself and this sets birth up to fail because mammals don't birth in situations where they feel unsafe or they feel like they're monitoring their surroundings for stresses and threats. They go and they be alone. And, and if something happens, if a predator shows up, they're going to get eaten because you can't fight, you can't flight. Like the best you do is freeze and then you die. So birth has evolved to be this very intelligent process where stress is not welcome and, and safety and privacy mm-hmm. and, and quiet and all of these things are necessary to birth a baby 
for the health of mom and baby. And if that's not happening, birth will freeze so she can get herself safe so she can birth. So it's almost like all of the things, yeah, we do through pregnancy, they just create this self-fulfilling prophecy. And then we generate parents who, when they parent, they again seek external, external opinions and interventions validation and and yeah yeah instead of looking at themselves and going like I am capable what do I think first and foremost before I consult anyone else or anything else Mm. I think it's a very very disempowering model absolutely well and even I know it's not even close to giving birth but when I had my one and only pregnancy and ended up as a miscarriage um, I think I was like 10 weeks along and, um, you know, the midwife knowing I'm a medical doctor was very careful about what she was going to say, but, you know, right. she said, look, you know, normally we would, you know, give you this pill so you can extrude the contents of your uterus, you know, so you don't get yeah. set up with infection. But she says, well, I, I know that, you know, the signs of, you know, uh, infection. So I'm going to just let you do what you want to do. And I said, thank you so much. And I went home and it was God, because they said, well, within X amount of time, you should have this, you know, out of you. And I'm like, nope, I'm going to use my body's intelligence. And when it's ready, it's going to be ready. And so I don't know how many weeks I waited, five, six, seven, eight. I don't know. I mean, way beyond what they said was like good. And when it was time, I knew it was time. And it was almost like a ritual, almost like a giving birth ritual, um, yeah. that I would, you know, go with, through these waves. It was very painful, but then I would breathe and I would be present. And I just felt yep. it as like a birthing kind of experience. And I didn't need medications. I didn't need antibiotics. There was absolutely nothing wrong with me after, you know what I mean? And it was actually pretty absolutely. cool. Yeah. It, you learn a lot about yourself, a lot about your body and, and what you're really capable of, how yeah. amazingly yeah. built we are. So mm-hmm. I would just congratulate you for Thank you. <laughs> being able to just go through that and be present. And yeah, absolutely. It is, well, yeah, just because someone says something, you don't have to do it. You have choice. Right. Which of is something a lot of women don't have, know. It always helps to have someone who, you know, obviously has the knowledge and expertise, right? Because most people aren't going to be you know, a chiropractor or a medical doctor or whatever. So we need people that do know and are on our side, on the empowerment side, like you, you know, with your, you know, Birthing Bliss program to be able to have that support because we are not expecting our women and moms to be able to do, especially if they're not medical people, to be able to do this on their own. Like you had an incredible will and, and you had a lot of knowledge, which, you know, uh, both not just, you know, physical, like, health knowledge, but, like, the energetics and the meditation and the mindfulness, all that kind of stuff. And most people won't have that. I was in a privileged position, absolutely. So we need people to to be able to, you know, have resources like you to help them. So now you talk about something that that is called a birth print. And um, let's talk a little bit about what that is and is that something that's a good thing bad thing like what does that mean cool okay so birth prints so I liken a birth print kind of to like you think about your handprint your footprint right like everyone has these Mm -hmm. these marks that that are unique to them and that they carry you can't get rid of your fingerprints birth prints 
you can heal. So I guess in a way you could get rid of it. But what it is, is it's the energetic imprint that the way you come into this world leaves on you or leaves you with. And you carry it forward. You carry it forward throughout your life until you develop awareness of it and, and can choose consciously for yourself about what choice you're going to make in whatever situation it's arising in. So I'm going to use, I'm going to use my own birth print as an example to kind of really just flush this out and make it a little more clear. That's cool. Sure. So I was, I was a full-term baby there. As far as I am aware, there were no complications with my pregnancy. My mom was healthy. I was healthy. Um, Full-term labor. My mom was in labor on a Friday evening at supper time. And the doctor who was responsible for her care wasn't the nicest doctor. He was angry. He was missing his supper on a Friday evening. So he didn't ask her. He didn't tell her. He grabbed a pair of forceps and he yanked me out. And in doing so, apparently injured my left collarbone. Now, for I mean, my mom was just happy that she had a healthy child, right? But for me, going forward, where I became aware that this was kind of rippling throughout my life was particularly in the realm of how I manage time and how I feel about time and how I feel about deadlines and just mm. it, it. So. I always had this feeling if I would be going somewhere where I would be excited about a party and the closer and closer that party got, the more dread that I got filled with, which was so weird for me because I was like, these are my friends and I'm so excited that we're going to like go to the party and have so much fun. And I know I'm going to have a great time when I get there. Why do I feel so terrible? Why am I dreading getting there? And the ride to the party, and I didn't really express any of this. I was a very shy child, but it was, it was agony even into my adult years until I figured this out. And that harkened back to my birth that like, you know, labor was going smoothly. Everything was going well until the doctor got impatient and he pulled me out and it was forceps are not a gentle way to be born. They are aggressive. They are rough. They, they, right. Um, so that was one layer that I saw ripple out. Another layer that I saw that I would be when I was doing something, if I was driving somewhere myself, if I had an appointment, if I was writing, if I was writing an assignment or studying, I would be okay, nice and calm, being like, yes, I have enough time. This is great. I'm going to make my deadlines, what have you. And then there would be this point where it would just flip like a switch and I would be panicking going oh my god I don't have enough time I'm gonna be late something bad is gonna happen and it was not rational like because rationally I had enough time and rationally I knew that but it, it was just it was energetic it was subconsciously imprinted and and it would just take over and drive the bus for me so I saw that show up there with um if I step away from my own experiences, I've worked with a few, few women who were born as blue babies where the cord was so tightly around their neck that they weren't breathing at birth. And mm-hmm. this one leaves a very physical imprint where like those individuals can't stand things around their neck. It makes them very nervous. It makes them very fidgety. They don't wear like tight things around their necks. It makes them feel very breathless as from what I've seen. Turtlenecks. And <laughs> yeah, no, turtlenecks are no, no. <laughs> button up collar tops those are not a thing um and also like with this feeling of being voiceless 
and and how do I navigate forward? How do I move forward? Because like, how would you move forward if the cord is so tightly around your neck and you're inside, so you can't breathe? What is your best way to move forward and navigate that scenario? So it, it these things they show up. Another friend, Kim, she's a twin, and she was head down, ready to be birthed, like in good position. Her twin blocked the exit. And so something that showed up throughout her life was this feeling of constantly being blocked by someone or something. Wow. So, yeah, our birth prints, they show up, they affect our decisions, they affect how we manage our time, they can affect how we physically feel in our bodies, our clothing choices, our relationships, like there's really no end to the way it can show up. It's, it's an incredibly powerful, powerful imprint. Wow. So what if somebody has like, uh, you know, they came out feet first or bum first or they had a C-section, like what potential, you know, adult issues might they come up with, you think? So with, with the birth prints from what I've seen, part of it kind of depends on the circumstances of it, right? Where, to me, if I had been a forceps first because there was something medically wrong, I would have been left with a very, very different imprint where maybe I would have felt like it was saving, but it wasn't. So when you're looking oh. at a baby that's, that's born breech or, or that's born cesarean, I would question a little bit more about like, well, why was that baby breech? Like, were they breech because they had a ridiculously short cord and really couldn't do much about it to get into a head down position safely? Or were they breech because mom was really, really anxious and baby was trying to like, kind of metaphorically put the brakes on and say, hey, mom, hold up, deal with this. I'll wait for you. Let's wait for birth. Mm. I'm not in position. Please, like, slow down and let's get ready. Um, mm. So it really, they're very, they could be very, very individual, and it, it really requires a little bit more awareness surrounding the context of it. Does that gotcha. make sense? So. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, because I'm sure on, on uh, you know, a subconscious holistic level, uh, as a baby in utero, you could feel the impatience of the obstetrician or doctor and the irritability. You feel everything your mother feels. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that would be completely yeah. different, like you said, than, than if it was a, you know, life-saving whatever, you know, thing, it, and the context is pretty important. That makes so much sense. So yeah. what about the – so, so can these things sorry. be healed? Absolutely. They can absolutely be healed. You can, you can change your patterns. Like there is always change. There's always change available. There's always choice available. Um, and so the trick is, is that you do need awareness of it. So the – the cascade of steps, the three major steps that are involved in healing this is you first have to start asking the questions and get aware of what were your uterine experiences? What was your birth experience life and kind of like, and kind of what was the context surrounding it? And there's different ways to ask these questions. Obviously, if you have your parents or whoever was at that birth available to you and they're willing to talk about it, that's a really nice, easy way to get that information. Um, if you don't have access to those resources, you can still get that information from your cellular memory, from your subconscious memory, um, through things like muscle testing, energetic work, various modalities that can help you access 
all of the information that you've stored in your body because you do remember everything like cellularly subconsciously you remember your uterine experiences your birth your early life experiences even if you can't consciously recall them they are there they live in your body um when you when you've got some answers then you can start to to bring awareness to what are the patterns in my life and how do these harken back to birth so for me, when I started looking at my patterns regarding how I manage time and how I feel about time and how I feel about people waiting for me and things of that nature, it really made sense in the context of my birth. Um, so people who are habitually late, like my husband, my husband is habitually, oh my goodness, he is the most mellow person with time you've ever <laughs> met in your life. I will be downstairs, like looking at the clock, tapping my foot, like no super way. anxious, like... <laughs> And he's like taking an hour long shower, air drying his body after, calm, collected, just not a kid in the world. He was two weeks late. He was born in 42 weeks. Yeah, or 43 weeks rather. And so it's when you start bringing that awareness, you start seeing these patterns. And when you're aware Mm. of the patterns and how they're showing up in your life, when they show up in your life, you then can bring consciousness to them. You can attend them consciously and you can start choosing. And there are, of course, energetic techniques to help deconstruct and neutralize because a lot of them are quite charged. Um, And that's something that I do work with women, work with on in my birthless program with women. But ask, get aware, and then like attend them, attend them consciously so you have choice instead of just a subconscious driver piloting your bus yeah instead of a habit instead of just a program just keep running in the background that you think why am I sabotaging myself and I have no idea why and it could very well be due to this birth print so that's really enlightening thank you you're welcome thanks for having me a little bit about your birth share that my pleasure um Let's talk a little bit about your birthless program and uh, how people, like what are the different ways that people could work with you? Because I know you're in Canada and some people are not. So how would that all work? Um, So right now I work with people one-on-one and where they're not, you know, available to meet geographically in person with me, we would work via Zoom and, and do some consulting and some meetings that way the energetic work that I do as a, as that transformational birth coach is it can be done remotely. It doesn't need to be done face to face. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's, that's my main offering at this point, as well as the, the free Facebook group that anyone is welcome to search out on Facebook. It's called birthless and join um, and get some, uh, some free hacks to, and some more knowledge to help you navigate birth so that you can have more of that empowered blissful birth experience that I believe every woman deep deep down in her core in her root really really craves and is capable yeah, absolutely of. absolutely well yeah so our listeners whether you're listening live or on the replay definitely check out that group the birth bliss group on Facebook where there's a lot of support and I know there's a lot of moms and grandmoms <laughs> that listen to this show so please let you know your daughter and daughters-in-law know about Dr. Alyssa Shepard's resources and um, you know join the Facebook group get a feel for the group there's a lot of great tips on there and so it's it's so important to be 
supported by a community who wants to empower you and not, you know, just have to necessarily deal with uh, just the average consciousness of, you know, the regular, you know, doctors or friends that are trying to tell you what to do or what not to do. And anytime you feel like you're in fear, that's when you need that, you know, you need that support. Um, so I highly encourage if you, if anyone listening knows anyone who is, you know, planning birth, giving birth, you know, to please access uh, the Facebook group and and maybe Dr. Alyssa, you also have a um, a birthless discovery call as well. So maybe tell us a little bit I about do, how yes. that works. Um, so my birthless discovery call, I believe the link is posted below this interview. Um, so it's a, yes. a an online bookable session that you go and you sign up for. It's complimentary there's no charge to it and basically we just talk a little bit about birth and about like what your desires are and what you believe is holding you back or what could hold you back and look at whether we're a good fit to work one-on-one together and get you some tools so that whether we are a good fit one-to-one or not ultimately you you can have that empowered knowledgeable blissful birth experience that that you want so that's bookable, available mm-hmm. to anyone who just kind of clicks the link and, and fills out their information so we can connect. And as I said, if we're not in the same geographic locality, then we'd be connecting over Zoom. Okay, which fantastic. Is and is it only platform, for yeah. pregnant women or right. are there other non-pregnant people that could also uh, consult that, consult you through that link? So it is not just for pregnant women. By and large, the majority of people who contact me and connect with me for that are pregnant because it's, it's very real when you're pregnant. Right. And yeah, yeah, it gets even where I see it being the most real is people heading into that third trimester. We're like the first trimester, you're kind of sick and tired. It's your focus is elsewhere. The second trimester, you're like honeymooning because you're feeling so great. And, and the third trimester you're like, Oh, I got to birth a baby. Okay. (laughs) But Yeah. Outside of that typical scenario, there are a lot of women who they had a previous birth that's traumatic, and it is something that's very on their radar and very in their like their mind, their focus, their attention, or maybe they know that they were born it through a traumatic birth and they they want to have babies and they really don't want to repeat that experience. Those women are really right. good candidates to work through the program when they're not pregnant because their mind is already there. Ah, great! So I gotcha, those, gotcha. Yeah. 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 So if it were me, I mean, I'm 53, so unlikely to be <laughs> pregnant. But uh, you know, <laughs> but I would be like, you know, the minute, the the millisecond that <laughs> that I'm pregnant, you know, I'd be like, Dr. Alyssa, we gotta talk, you know, because <laughs> uh, I would want to have that time to prepare, you know, not Absolutely. just physically, but mentally, emotionally, all these things and not yeah. necessarily leave it to, to last minute but but if folks are in their third trimester please still <laughs> yeah there is still time so, I mean there's yeah there's, there's absolutely still, still things that can be done so definitely it's never too late it's always better to do right. something than to do nothing right because it leaves you even just that little <laughs> bit prepared and maybe that's just a little bit that's going to tip you over the edge and and into that positive space where you you can have that blissful birth so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Never too late. And I know, and folks that were on my mailing list, you got another link in that we couldn't fit it on the radio show page, unfortunately, but yeah, another link. Um, and I know this is, uh, this is um, time sensitive. So 
I believe there's a workshop you're doing, Dr. Alyssa. Um, yes. Can you tell us a little it's bit a, about that? Absolutely. It's So it's in November um, in Denver. It's at a, a conference put on by the Association for Perinatal and Prenatal Psychology and Health which is very, very big into the fact that babies are sentient and they remember their experiences and they feel the experiences of mom and, and how can we optimize this for baby and mom and just help, help the whole family on this journey. So a very holistic, energetically open organization. Um, so after the conference ends, I'm doing what they call a post-Congress workshop. It's four hours long and I'm going to really focus on on how to optimize, how to make over your mommy mindset so that you're not stuck in these feelings of anxiety and being afraid and apprehensive and, and the things that really derail a birth and, and detract from our birthing physiology. So that, uh, mm. that is an option for anyone who wants to attend that way. Great. And where did you say that was again? Denver. Oh, in Denver. Okay, so November 2019. Mm-hmm. So the link is in the yes. email that I sent out to the list. Um, you can also go to birthpsychology.com and look up the 2019 Congress, and you'll see the, the dates there as well. Um, and Dr. Alyssa, do you have a, like a, a regular website that people can just you know check out as well? I am in the process of getting my, my website up off the ground, kind of remaking some things. Right now, I'm listed under the clinic where I work as a chiropractor, their website. I've got a little mm-hmm. a few blog posts up there on there about childbirth. So they'd be welcome to check out the blog or the, the website for Two Rivers Health. It's tworivershealth.ca because we are in Canada. Um, and I will uh, continue working on remaking things so that my personal website is exactly exactly the way it needs to be to go out into the public. It's just not quite there yet. Okay, yeah, mine either. <laughs> I'm working on it. So. <laughs> it's a work in but, progress, uh, right? Yeah, work in progress, yeah. Um, so that's great. So I'm just going to just review a couple of things for folks uh, listening in. Uh, so number one, if you know of anyone who could benefit from Dr. Alyssa's expertise, um, and that means you know every single person that <laughs> is planning to get pregnant or is pregnant that you know, uh, please uh, encourage them to listen to this radio show and then maybe book a, um, a call, a free discovery call with Dr. Alyssa just to see if it's a good fit. Uh, I believe this is super, super important stuff. We really need to empower our future moms and then children, and so they have a positive birth print uh, for the rest of their lives. Super, super important. So please, please do that. Um, There's also, um, you know, uh, the link to the Congress where in November 19th um, there's going to be a four-hour workshop with Dr. Alyssa Shepard, and you can go to birthpsychology.com to check that out. And if you're on my email list, that was already sent to you as well. And then Two Rivers Health, and spelled out, so T-W-O, R-I-V-E-R, S, right, H-E-A-L, Two Rivers Health.com to check out thank you. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then um, I a comment here. Dolores uh, was talking when she was she was commenting on your story, which you think I uh, said so thankfully that you shared about your birth print. She said this makes so much sense. I really get anxious before going somewhere. 
she said. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So she felt that was connected to her birth print as well. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. patterns can be so very, so very pervasive. Mhm. Mhm. So um, maybe in the last uh, few minutes, um, any you know final tips you want to share? Um, you know, inspiration, stories, anything to help our listeners. Um, sure. Okay. So I'm just trying to think of like most optimal inspirational, like thing I can share right now. Um, in terms of, if you're looking for like inspirational reading content, Ina May Gaskin stuff is incredible. She really does believe in the, the power of the body and the wisdom of, of the womb and the woman. So if you're looking for books, go that way. Uh, I think, one of the most powerful transformations I saw of a woman heading into birth was this woman in my practice and she came to me and she sat in my office and cried because she was going to give birth and it was her second child. Um, and, and her first birth had been very, very traumatic and, and you're, you're pregnant you have to have a baby. What was she going to do? And we worked together and we did a lot of work and we took apart her birth, her previous birth and what had happened and her fears and her beliefs and all of these things. And we, we optimized her physical body and her energetic body and her mind. And she walked into that birth like ready. She felt confident. She felt calm. Wow. And she, she, yeah. And she had the birth that she wanted. She, she chose the birth in a mm. hospital it's where she felt the safest, which is fine. Um, mm-hmm. but she was able to go through the birth without medications and she was able to use her voice and advocate for herself and what she wanted and what she wanted for her baby. And wow. for me, like the most incredible moment of that was when she sat in my office with, with her baby in her arms and she mm-hmm. was crying again. And Aww. she said like, I, when before I worked with you I cried when I thought about birth because it was so horrible and so traumatic and like oh my god so overwhelming that I just never wanted to think about it again and now I cry about birth because oh my god I did that I am effing amazing like and just the conviction in her voice and her eyes and like you could feel it it was palpable she was so transformed and So I'm no different than anyone else. And she's no different than anyone else. If we can do this, anyone can do this. Like we all have it within us. We are all innately capable. Our bodies know what to do. Our intuition knows what to do. We just have to give them the resources to allow them to do it. Mm, that's so, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that beautiful story. I love how you kind of deconstructed what the trauma that happened in the past, healed that trauma so she could be empowered and move forward for that other birth and, you know, come full circle and be that empowered, happy woman that knows that she can do this. Oh, my gosh. It's so awesome. So totally it was awesome. Yeah. Beautiful journey to bear witness to. Yeah, it was incredible. So. Oh, Anyone can do it. And we look forward to your book coming out in the in the future. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Work in progress. I got to work on mine too, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this I stuff, can't wait to read yours. Yeah, this is so great. Well, and then and then we'll definitely watch you back on the show, right? When you when you have your book, you know, published, and because uh, yes. like I said, this is 
so important for everyone in the world to to know about this and to be empowered and um you know then to have access to to that wisdom is uh, yes, I would so love amazing. to come back so, to that point. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Alyssa Shepard, for being on the show talking about, you know, birth bliss and what the possibilities, the positive possibilities are for our young moms out there uh, that are going to give birth. And also to our listeners, um, please share the link to the show to anyone that you think would benefit from this. And also great, great deep gratitude for my tribe as well. So thanks, everyone. Until next time. Bye for now. Bye, thank Dr. Alyssa. You. Bye. Bye.